What's up, gentlemen? This is Rising Phoenix Podcast, the podcast about how to rise up after your divorce. I'm your host, Michael Rhodes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is Katie. Katie, let's uh, just jump right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, So I'm a a licensed clinical social worker. I specialize in uh, family trauma and intimate partner violence and relationship trauma. Um, I recently published a book. Um, Actually, it wasn't recently. It was a year ago (laughs) um, called Invisible Bruises. I have a blog on psychology today under the same name, Invisible Bruises. And um, I have a podcast, uh, Katie with a Y. Okay. Uh, So yeah, uh, one of your articles on on uh, or one of your blog posts on psychology today is what uh, brought me to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was essentially, uh, and I just read it today, so <laughs> forgive me if I butcher the title, but I, well, I think it was somewhere along the lines of, can uh, people that have been through trauma have a healthy relationship? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so that's why I, I wanted, wanted you on. Trauma is a frequent uh, topic on this podcast because I believe divorce is a trauma. So For sure. um, let's, let's define that. Let's, what is trauma, uh, number one? And then uh, there's sort of a, some follow-up to that. So trauma, trauma is so hard to define. It's like saying like, how do you define, you know, life? Um, I mean, trauma, it's subjective and then it's objective at the same time. Um, So clinicians always start by saying, you know, there's big T and little T trauma, like big T is like, okay, if you had, you know, something happened like an assault, or if you were in a war zone or something horrible like that, that you, you know, went through. Um, And then little T could be like, you know, verbal abuse or um, being, you know, fired from a job or things like that, that you identify is being traumatic and maybe there was a bunch of things that happened, you know, together can equal the same kind of effects as a big T, so to speak, you know, that, that kind of makes sense. Yep. Uh, And so uh, the question then is, is divorce a trauma? Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I work every day with, you know, survivors of relationship trauma and things like that. And of course, not every divorce leads people to therapy, but um, you know, it is, there's grief that comes with it. There's abandonment that comes with it mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that. And so, I mean, you, you, there's an ending of a relationship. So it is absolutely, absolutely traumatic. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's sort of what we wanted to hone in on today is that uh, ending of a relationship piece in that it ended because probably there was some dysfunction, there was some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we can, I don't know if we want to talk about, what are some of the typical ones and, and where do they come from? Or do we want to just start um, sort of some of the dysfunctional behaviors that um, maybe are typical, especially from our, my generation? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure which, which path, but essentially we want to sort of lay the foundation that there are um, uh, fundamental issues with relationships that begin very, very early. Right. Okay. So, so usually what I see are, you know, most, when I say most, because of course there are exceptions, most relationships and just because the people were, you know, incompatible, maybe there was some dysfunction going on. And, and I always say that dysfunction occurs on the spectrum. You know, there's no normal or perfect childhood. There's no normal or perfect relationship. Um, you know, I know that we have seen, you know, videos and movies and things like that. It wasn't leave it to beaver and, and stuff like that. Or, right. you know, the, the stuff from the, you know, early, early yeah. 90s and stuff that that's not real. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody has that kind of, you know, relationship and things like that. So um, most relationships, there's some 
there's some kind of dysfunction, but dysfunction isn't always someone's fault. It's more of just like, okay, this is the pattern that is kind of manifesting and this is how we're meshing together. Um, but then of course there are relationships where, you know, the dysfunction has moved into more abuse category and that's, you know, of course a completely different thing, but most of the time I would say relationships are just, you know, two people that they kind of develop some unhealthy patterns. And it's a lot of times it's stuff that they bring in from childhood, you know, patterns that they had learned. And cause we all learn dysfunctional, unhealthy patterns from childhood, from our caregivers. And then we carry those into our relationships. And sometimes we're trying to kind of work through some of those traumas and things like that. And sometimes we don't even know what we're doing. Sometimes we're just like, wait, why are we having this impasse of, you know, it's like you're speaking Greek and I'm speaking Russian. Like what? Right. <laughs> like that's another common thing. Sure. And what, what are some of the common ones? Like specifically some of the things that you see that, that you can trace back pretty e- easily, I guess. So I would say are like different ways of arguing. And I know that people are saying, you know, sometimes people think that's weird that I bring up, you know, arguing, like, why would you want to argue? But the thing is, is if, if we can teach children how to have a conflict in a healthy way, then that's a really good thing because then what ends up happening is children don't learn how to have conflict in a healthy way. So they both, you know, both people of the couple, both members of the couple, they navigate the conflict so differently. So a lot of times what I'll see is almost like the distancer and the pursuer is something that we call it in therapy, where we have one person who's like, no, 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 talk to me, talk to me. What's going on? Tell me how you feel. Tell me what you're thinking. And the other person is like, I just want you to leave me alone. Um, Now that in and of itself isn't dysfunctional. It's just a different communication style. But what ends up happening is if one person goes all the way into avoidance where they're like, oh no, I want to pretend like the conversation never happened. Mm -hmm. And I want to just go on like, like it never happened and just, you know, carry on as normal. And the other person's like, wait, but I want to talk about it. And I want to kind of talk it to death. That's when it kind of goes into like dysfunction um, category. And that is something I see really common, really frequently with couples is, you know, is, is this mismatched communication style or mismatched way of being able to navigate conflict that almost, so then you're almost like fighting about the fight. Like you're fighting about how you fought instead of the issue. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So how, how do we trace that back? Uh, what, what do we trace that back to? So, so let's start with maybe, um, and I, and man, so many people, I know so many people, including myself that can relate to this. Um, mm-hmm. the, the guy, the, the uh, typically it's the guy, I think. Yeah, that's fine. You can go ahead and the avoider, yeah. the, the, yeah. the guy who has a, an avoidant sort of strategy. Um, how does, where did that, how does that develop? Where does that come from? What in childhood made that manifest? So, and it's interesting to you said, you said the guy, because it is, it, a lot of it is how we're conditioned through our gender. Mm. Um, you know, women, we are conditioned to talk about stuff. I mean, right. look at little children on a playground and little girls are talking yeah. and boys, they don't sit around and talk, you know, and it's not reinforced in the same way. Um, little girls, they're reinforced. Oh, talk about your feelings and, and talk and, and go to the bathroom together and talk. It's really reinforced in the behavior. Mm. Whereas little boys, they're told, you don't want to talk about that. I mean, don't be right. a sissy. And, right. you know, and I like to think that that's getting better with each generation, but it is something that is very, you know, I mean, even millennials, millennials were raised by boomers. Boomers were raised by, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very big. So, so what ends up happening is like, we have, you know, kids who um, maybe they watch their caregiver have this huge 
blowout fight. And then they both stomp into their rooms and they sleep in separate beds that night and they never talk about it again. And so then the kids learn, okay, that's how we navigate arguments is we just kind of pretend it didn't happen. So then that person grows up, you know, to, to, and he gets married and he doesn't know how to talk to his partner because he never saw his dad talk about feelings, you know, and, and that was just something he never learned. And so it's an uncomfortable feeling. And so he learned, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, shut down or, you know, kind of go away and go, go outside. And my, my dad used to call it, like go out and putter in the, <laughs> in the garage, you know, and whatever you do, you know? And yeah. yeah. So you're basically, you're, you're, you end up modeling the behavior of, of, of your parents, right? Oh, for sure. And, and a lot of times, like we, we don't realize how much we model it. You know, but but kids will learn, you know, because they're seeing things and they're seeing the conflict that's happening and they're seeing the conflict that's avoided. And, you know, they grow up and and a lot of times, even in the same family, you'll see kids who one will be one will avoid conflict and one will be someone who's, you know, maybe more anxious and and more of the pursuer, even in the same family. Um, I, every time I do these interviews, it just always makes me think about my own life. And uh-huh. Uh, I was just thinking about, it's a bit, bit of a rabbit hole, but just how I, I'm probably not modeling the best behavior in terms of how I deal with my ex. Like I don't mm-hmm. talk to her. I don't communicate with her, it, you know, via text, but not in front of the kids. Very, 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 very rarely. There's really nothing to say, nothing nice anyhow. And yeah, I do recall that rule about if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I generally, are you think- worried that it will get into some kind of argument like does past communication with her lead to yeah um i honestly if i'm being honest i'm worried about interaction hurting me right oh okay like i just would rather avoid it oh okay (laughs) i I can understand that yeah because when she left it was very much a and i understand the psychology there's a lot of shit that that i understand um you know philosophically logically Mm -hmm. uh but so I understand why she had to say all this shit about me because mm-hmm. it made it easier for her to leave. I completely understand the logic behind it, but man, that shit hurts. And so but it, that's hurtful. It doesn't oh, change. That. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. Uh, you know, the person that not only did she leave me and the person that I loved and, and thought loved me. And that's another, one of the things she said, I don't, I don't think I don't love you. And I don't think I ever loved you. Um, we were together for 15 years. Oh, um, so it's, it's really, you know, and so, I don't want to, and I was accused of being a lying, manipulative narcissist, which is just, I don't even, you know, everybody's a narcissist. And that's another like soapbox that I get on is the overdiagnosing of exes. And, well, yeah. yeah. And again, it, it, I understand why people do it. I understand why she did it. She had to justify her actions. Right. It, because mm-hmm. if I, if I was, well, he's okay. Or, or I do love him, but maybe he's flawed or whatever. But if, if it, it's, he is a complete and total piece of shit. It's a lot easier for me to walk away from it all. Oh, for so sure. I understand it, but it still hurts. And so I avoid that because it's hurtful. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I try, I'm trying. I, I just interviewed uh, Robert Enright, who's like the forgiveness guy. And I'm trying to get to a point where I can not be, um, not, not avoiding her, not being so angry at her. Uh, but man, it's really, really hard because it, I learned as a kid to disassociate. Oh know, yeah. I've shut down, you know? Oh that's, yeah. That's, that's so common. 
That's yeah, so common. Yeah. And that's my, that's my go-to. The silent treatment was like, I deployed that shit. Like I was a ninja, I, yeah. you know, little, little did I know that's really, really bad for a relationship, but, but um, it, I worry. So, you know, long story, I, I worry that I'm not modeling the best behavior for them uh, in terms of dealing with issues, but. So with that, because I get that all the time and I always tell people like there is no perfect parent Mm. and there actually literally is a term in psychology called the good enough parent. It's actually a thing. It's because we know that there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Just there's no such thing as a perfect person. Um, So it's actually a thing. You can call You can Google good enough parenting. And I know that sounds I know it sounds horrible to say, but I'm telling you, because what it means is like, are you doing the best you can? with what you have in the moment yeah well it, yes. it's to me it sounds like a goal i can actually achieve <laughs> yes like i'm it's a thing it's good good enough parenting and so there's a whole attachment theory based off of it and and i say that just to tell you like you know it, it, you, it, it's parenting is the hardest thing anyone ever will ever do so i uh it's it's it sure feels yeah it sure feels yeah. like it uh, and doing it while you know going through the divorce i mean i was having a conversation oh, yeah. with somebody today about well, I mean, you and I had it a short, a little bit before we started about how overwhelmed uh, I am, and 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 we are, I think, as as a, as a society, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, and it can it can be so much more overwhelming when it's just you. Uh, oh, for sure. It's 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 it can be very very uh, debilitating. It feels like sometimes, mm-hmm. but oh, um, for sure. So let's talk about the other, if we can. Uh, we kind of touched on it, but. So we have the sort of avoidant, the, um, I don't want to talk about a guy and then, and, you know, we'll, we'll stick with the, 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 the stereotypes, I guess. Yeah, you can um, stick with stereotypes. It works. The, the female, uh, yeah. that wants to fix it or, or, or at least talk about it until they feel better. Yeah. Um, what, what, how does that manifest in them? So that's what we would call the pursuer. And again, if we're going on stereotypes, it is, you know, women are conditioned to be the caregivers. We are conditioned to the, be the pursuer, the emotional pursuer, you know, like let's, I'm going to follow you in the room and you can tell me how you feel and let's talk about it and let's process it and da, da, da. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. And, um, that is, that is real. And that's something that is very common. And of course I've, I've seen it, you know, I work with couples of all genders and so I've seen all different dynamics, but it is something that is pretty common. And so then what ends up happening is you have one person who's, you know, we call the pursuer. And then the other person is more of the distancer. Sometimes it goes back to their attachment. So if one person has kind of an avoidant attachment and the other person has more of an anxious attachment, a lot of times it's, that's usually what's kind of being manifested in the relationship dynamic. But Mm. so the person is, you know, let's, let's go with her. She, she gets that anxiety. Oh no, he's going to leave. You know, and this isn't necessarily logical. It's not like, you know, we're sitting there saying, okay, he's going to leave in as a logical statement. It's like, keep in mind, we're talking like little child brain back in the back of the head. Um, You know, the the little child, inner child, if, if you will, is saying, oh, no, they've walked out of the room you know, mommy or daddy's leaving. I'm going to be abandoned. I can't take care of myself. And so then it's, it's almost like this panic hmm. and I got to quick follow him into the room. Please tell me what is this going on? Let's talk about it. And da da da. because in the moment to someone with an anxious attachment, arguing about something is better than nothing. Right. It's better than silence because silence means I've been abandoned. Silence means I've been left alone. Um, whereas, you know, to the other person, they're thinking, I, I just need a minute. Yeah. You know, just give me a minute or however long. 
And so then, then sometimes that's when you see the most explosive arguments is when, you know, both people, both people aren't getting their needs met in that way. It is. um, And we're, I think we're going to kind of get into this, but are these attachment styles and argument styles, um, are they dysfunctional in nature or are they just how we are? And as long as we navigate that in, in other words, I, she knows, and I don't want to, I hate to say which one's first, but fuck it. Um, she knows mm-hmm. I'm avoidant and I need time mm-hmm. and, and she gives me my time. But then I also, I have to respect the fact that she's anxious and worried and pursuing, and I have to give her my time eventually. Right. I mean, yeah. isn't it's not the goal is, is the goal to eliminate, uh, or, or, um, not, not eliminate, but maybe lessen, maybe eliminate, um, those two styles, or is it a matter of meshing them together? Like, in other words, is it a guy has to stop avoiding and just fucking talk about it and she has to stop pushing and just relax? Or is it sort of working together in terms of like, okay, I know he needs time and and I know I need to come back. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when in, in doing couples therapy, that's usually what clinicians will say is that each one of you needs to give an inch. Mm. Um, so I need you, if, if, you know, if you, John usually take, um, you know, two or three hours to yourself and you Sally pursue him instantly, I'm going to need you, John, to, to reduce it to an hour and you Sally to give him, you know, that those 59 and a half minutes before you go knock on the door. And, and I know it, it sounds, it, it's a lot more I'm trying to make it a lot more simplistic, yeah. you know, in, in the therapy yeah. session, you know, you're, you're working on tools and ways and things like that. But so to, so to answer your question, it's a little, it's a little bit of everything. Um, attachment styles are something that we all have. Um, you know, if some of us are blessed with a secure attachment style, some of us have an anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, some of times there's combinations and, and you can take these little like fun quizzes on Google and come up with yours and stuff like that. Um, you know, and some people read it and they're like, yep, that's me. Um, some people are like, oh, that's interesting. But when it goes into dysfunctional category or territory is when you're infringing on other person's boundaries. Mm -hmm. So like me, like I could say, you know, or Sally can say, I I know I have an anxious attachment. I know that when you walk onto the room, I'm anxious. However, that doesn't give me the right to then go break down the door and while you're trying to take a shower by yourself, because I need you to talk to me. Um, and you, you know, you might, you know, John might know, Hey, I, I need some time to myself. I have a little bit more of an, uh, you know, I kind of need some time to myself before I can process this. It doesn't give you the right to just leave and and go down to the bar for three days. Um, you know, they, both of you have the responsibility of like, so usually what I do with couples is I will say, um, you know, you need to agree on a time and you need to stick to the time. Mm. Like, you know, if, if usually there's an, you know, if usually John needs three hours, I'll say, look, take an hour. And Sally needs to know that in one hour you will be home Yeah, because she's waiting and she's counting on the minutes. Um, again, just thinking about this is like describing my, my relationship. to it. Oh yeah. Many, many. It's, it's probably one of the most common dynamics that we see. Yeah. Um, so uh, on that note, um, we want to talk about, you know, how do we change some of these things? And and I'm going to guess that mm-hmm. the first step in this is knowing 
Like yeah. what kind of uh, argument and or attachment style or, you know, um, know thyself, right? I mean, if you don't know where you're at, how the hell are you going to change it? So I'm guessing step one is figure out what, how do you handle conflict? Is that fairly? That's accurate? usually how I, I phrase it. I, I actually work like with, I work with a lot of men and maybe it's just me. I, you know, I've had four brothers growing. I don't know if I just like, know. I don't come usually when I'm working with men, I don't come at it with like, Oh, you know, your attachment style. It's like a, mm-hmm. what's your conflict style? Like, are mm-hmm. you like a, leave me alone kind of guy, or are you like a, look, let's just put this to bed kind of thing so we can go to bed kind of thing. You know, like what's, what do you want to do? Like, how do you want to get through this? Because I find that, you know, going and talking about attachment styles, I, sometimes people kind of get like a little loss and, you know, mm. this is we're getting into like psychobabble stuff and not all the time. And I know, right. I know I'm going off of stereotypes, but I also, sure. you know, that sometimes it's true that sometimes I think people are just like that. People are just like, I don't want to hear all the, you know, the stuff behind it, but let me know, you know, what I need to do to change right. this. And so I usually like saying, you know, what, what's your, your conflict style? Are you more of like a, I need a minute to myself, you know, it's an, and, or are you more of like, let's talk about it now. Um, so that's one of the first things is just learning, you know, what is your preference? And then also validating that. Like if you're someone who needs to talk about it, you're not going to all of a sudden wake up tomorrow and be like, oh yeah, that's fine. We can take three hours. (laughs) It's not going to work. You're going to be crawling out of your skin with anxiety, you know, waiting for your partner to come home. Yeah. And I I got to, I would, I'm speculating here. I would think that for the avoidant type, uh, the give me a a minute type, uh, could, which could turn it for me, turn into today's and then we never talk about it yay mm, yep <laughs> right? yep right it's so it seems yep. like it would be much easier for that person in, in some ways uh or at least initially right because they get their space mm-hmm. they're like oh god thank god and then maybe they forget about it or whatever so i would it's, it's just speculation and guessing here um the person that has to like pump the brakes so to speak must that must be really really difficult and and i'm sure it's the same when it when and hopefully if it, it does come back around, but I'm guessing that anxious sort of person, that must be really difficult to flip that switch and be like, Very. Oh yeah. Okay. Now you can have two hours. No problem. Fine. We had a therapy session and I get it. Um, yeah. No, it's very hard. And usually what ends up happening is we work on like self-soothing techniques. Uh, you know, if you need to go to the gym, if you need to take a hot bath, if you need to stand in the middle of the room and scream, you know, and listen to music, I mean, whatever you need to do, and, and then we work on ways to, um, like, cause a lot of times with couples, like, you know, I'll find that one person, you know, maybe their idea of needing space is, you know, the whole night and the other right. person's like, I cannot fall asleep, it, you know? Yeah. And it, it's not like one person, one person's needs are better than the others. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, with, with couples, it's like, you're working on, look, can you maybe give her five minutes of attention or can you give him five minutes of attention? And then with the understanding that both of you will talk about it in the morning, you know, can you agree to that? Cause it's midnight and you want to go to bed, that kind of thing. So (laughs) with that, with that said, right. It sounds like there's strategies for those types of people, which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, How about the other guy who eventually has to, you know, come around and talk Mm -hmm. about some shit. He probably don't want to talk about like, yeah, what are the strategies for that guy and how do you coach coach him up, so to speak? So it's the same kind of thing of like um, working on ways to self-soothe. Um, just like the person who 
you know, needs to talk about stuff right now, can't all of a sudden be comfortable waiting seven hours. The person who needs a lot of time to themselves or maybe doesn't want to talk about it at all is not all of a sudden going to be comfortable having a three hour conversation. So what I'll say to couples is look, if, if you feel like it's going to be a two hour conversation, set a timer for 30 minutes, because what happens is after the first couple rounds of conversation, you've kind of lost the person anyway, mm. we're not hearing a hundred percent of what the other person mm. says. And so, you know, also I'll tell people, you know, find two or three points and say them and then you know, get the off your chest. Sometimes couples have a ritual that lets the other person know, I still love you and I'm still here. I just need some space. And that's different for each couple. Some, I have some couples, they do like a forehead touch or like a, you know, like a fist bump or whatever, which is like a playful way of being like, I still love you. I'm not going anywhere. We'll talk about this tomorrow. I will see you tomorrow. And that it does helps both of them. It helps the person who needs that self soothing because they're anxious, and it helps the person that's like, I don't want to talk about this right now. So like they kind of both get it. Essentially, what you're saying is relationships are fucking hard. Yes, they are just like the <laughs> hardest thing. Like I know what I said earlier about parenting being hard. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, it, it it takes work, right? You you can't you can't so much, expect. Yeah. And to back to your earlier point, uh, and I, I wanted to, to touch on that too, is I think we've been screwed by Disney and Hallmark yes. and all these fucking shows yes. and movies that, oh, it's easy. You know, the yeah. one, what a bunch of fucking nonsense. I know. Like, oh, well, this is how it's going to be. And then, you know, the second that they kiss, they go into, um, you know, <laughs> never, never, whatever they, yeah. they, they go into, um, Happy, happily ever after just yeah. after the first kiss and it's like no <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't think so uh yeah. so uh i want to shift a little bit and i, I don't know we've talked about healing uh, in the pre-interview and I, this is something that comes up all the time uh in, in in the groups that i run um guys and i, and I think women probably do it too but I, I i know in my group it's all men and i see a lot of guys that just want to run to the next relationship yep. right yep. away uh, or at least pretty, pretty quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a common trauma response. I, it, first of all, I mean, I can't think that that's a good idea, but let's say it's been a little while, six months. I think, I think that's still too soon, but let's say maybe eight months. I don't know. Yeah. Here's the question. Can you go through the healing process with someone in a new relationship? Or do you absolutely have to take your time and fully heal, whatever that means? And those are, again, definitions like, you know, every everything's different to everybody. But is it possible to get into a new relationship and heal through that new relationship? So... It, the thing is, is it really is different for each person. Um, if you're still healing with a new person, I would, my, my gut is always with that one. No, like, yes. um, now what ends up happening is sometimes people are at different stages of healing. Like there are some people who, by the time the divorce is finalized, they're like, I'm ready because I've been emotionally grieving the relationship for so long. And, you know, since way before the divorce was even started that I've done all of my stages of grieving and I'm ready. And isn't, then there's, isn't that typical? Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you, no, you go ahead. Isn't that typically the woman because she started the process way before. I mean, typically I've seen it. Honestly, I, I've probably seen it the same because oh. I know a lot of people who it's usually the person who is like emotionally left the relationship sooner. Mm -hmm. 
um, which necessarily isn't isn't always the person who is the one who says, hey, let's end it. But the person who because sometimes what happens is the person who tries to call the other person's bluff by filing paperwork or, or breaking up. Sometimes they're trying to call not all the time, but. Right. And then the other person wasn't ready. And so a lot of times what happens is the person who's like emotionally kind of checked out uh, and they already have started the leaving process, you know, just because their, their underwear is still in the drawer next to yours doesn't mean that they haven't checked out, which is sad. And it, mm. and it isn't always the case. And there is of course, some grieving that comes from ending of a relationship, but I see people who leave a relationship and then a couple of months later, you know, they meet the next level of their life and that, and that's great. Um, and then I other, I've seen other people who they, they need a few years. And how do you, and again, this is probably subjective, right? Uh, it's up to Yeah. Them. But, but how, how do you, let's, let's say for instance, and I, and I, and I know this for instance, because I do hear it quite often, uh, <laughs> You're, you're, you, you, I'm a man and, and, uh, she says she wants a divorce and I find out she's cheating and all these things. And, um, and we're still living together, but we decided we're going to get divorced, but we're, we're still living together. And mm. I, I say that I've, you know, I I'm, I'm, I've been done for a while and I'm, I'm fine, but yet things that she does, a, you're still living together, B things that she does still annoy and upset you. Mm-hmm. Does that, I mean, is that a flag? If someone's still able to push your buttons, does that mean that you're not healed? Usually if, if they're pushing your trauma wound buttons versus your human buttons, because like we, as people are going to get annoyed by other human beings. And it doesn't sure. mean that we have a personal relationship with them. So if for me, someone in my home is going to annoy me, you know, if they're right. always in my home, but if they're pushing your trauma wound buttons, you, you rarely do I see someone who can still live in the same house with someone who they've bro- broken up with. Okay. That's, that's very rare. I mean, I've, I've seen it, but it's like those, both those people have to have very healthy, secure attachment, very healthy backgrounds. They've done, you know, or they've done a lot of work because it's just, unless both people are very secure and, and very healthy emotionally, it's usually not a good idea what 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 do you th- what do you think the percentage of the population is actually truly emotionally healthy? Like oh my gosh! I know I get asked that, and I'm like, this sounds really sad, but I, I I don't know. I mean, so many people have trauma, and I think right now the it's being normalized to even talk about it. Yeah. So I think now is like the generation. Now this is the time to talk about it. So it's not like, you know, people are saying, oh, do you think trauma is getting worse? No, I think people are just talking about it more, whereas previous generations ignored it. But I mean, that's a good question. I don't know. I I just have and maybe I'm cynical and negative. I don't don't think so. No, I I understand. I think I think there are a lot of fucked up people. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and, and I, I'm not saying it like it's they're they're bad per se, or it's their, they're not even. No, their it's fault. not their fault. It's yeah. not their fault. And then those people fall for other people, Man. you know, who are also fucked up. And then you know, and they have their trauma wounds, and they trigger each other's trauma wounds, and then it's just like you know, fire. So yeah. you, you talk about um, if they're they're pushing your trauma wounds, or if they're just pushing your human buttons, so so to speak. What what are some of the specific things that you can tell? Like, okay, that like if you hear from a person. Um, I don't know. Um, she, I don't know. She stayed out. Uh, she didn't come home last night and stayed mm-hmm. at her boyfriend's place or I, I don't know. Like, how do you, how, what are some of the things that are maybe sort of specific ish uh, about like, can you, that you could be like, oh, okay, he's not healed. 
So for me, that that's why it's so hard with people who've had a romantic relationship to live together. Um, until you can look at the person with complete neutrality, almost like a roommate. Like, you know, if I have a roommate who comes home you know, at four o'clock in the morning, am I annoyed because they woke me up when they stubbed their foot on the coffee table? Or am I annoyed because they came home at four in the morning and where were they? Um, If I'm annoyed because they woke me up because they stubbed their foot, that's a human annoyance. If I'm like, where were you and what were you doing? Then the curiosity is like, Mm. you know, telling me that I'm more interested in in what the person was doing, you know, because it's a boundary. You know, and, and it's impossible to have, you know, when you've ended a relationship, it's impossible to keep that boundary. Um, yeah, stuff is so uh, complicated, but yet fascinating. Um, yeah, it is. I, I mean, uh, sure. I, I, I think I missed my calling in life. I should have been a therapist. But <laughs> I've heard you say that in other podcasts. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, yeah. it's not too late. I, I, you know, I, I had this conversation with my own therapist and he's like, well, you know, you could, you could still become a licensed social worker. And I'm like, yeah. and that has clinical hours. And I don't know, maybe I should really fucking look into it. I don't know. Cause I, I love this shit. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, it's much better to understand at least a little bit how this thing up here works uh, yeah. rather than just willy nilly going through life. It's um, so fascinating. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I wish I would have done that, but um, so um, I, I think, I mean, we, we covered pretty much everything that we, we talked about uh, in the pre-interview and, and uh, I think there, there's so much here. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess one of the things that's popping up in my head is in, in terms of um, the, the, your clients, the people that you see, um, mm-hmm. do, do you see just out of curiosity, uh, you, I think you kind of mentioned you see more men than you do women. I actually have a lot of men who seek me out um, as uh, survivors of relationship trauma. And I know that sounds really vague, but it basically is saying like, you know, were you traumatized in a relationship? Um, Were you, you know, whether it was a victim of uh, a violence or survivor of violence or whether it was just a traumatic situation, um, you know, and, and I've had a lot of people, you know, seek me out um, for that. So yeah, I do. I see a lot of men. Uh, and what, in terms of the healing process, um, I'm, I'm sure some things are fairly universal. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a difference that you notice a difference between your clients, your male and female clients in terms of their healing and time frame steps, you know, tools, whatever is it, or is it just universal? Um, I would say that there's a definite difference between um, and I know I always kind of talk about ge- um, the generations, but mm. between boomers and millennials, it's almost like, you know, e- if each gen- generation, you know, were a step on a, on a staircase, it's like boomers to millennials, the, the person was trying to see how many steps they could, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's so different, you know, yeah. versus millennials to, you know, what gener- what are we generation, the next one, generation X, I always X. forget what my yeah. students are, yeah. um, you know, the, the next one is generation X, but um, it's not as much of a, a leap, but because men, you know, millennials are a lot more able to, you know, say, Hey, yeah, this happened to me and it was really shitty. And, and, you know, and I own it. Whereas boomers, they're still of that, like, there's so much shame. Mm. Um, but I say all that to say that men everywhere in the world are shamed for trauma, um, for the, they're shamed for coming forward. They're shamed for admitting that, that they've had trauma. Um, like, you know, you sh- you shouldn't have that. It should, you, you know, man up and oh. you know, all it is just, you know, go find someone else and da, 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 and, you know, yeah. just have a beer. Like there's all these like horrible messages that, you know, 
that kind of get you to like push it, push it back down. So I would say that it's a combination. It depends on, you know, I've had people that come in and their, their parents are really open with them about talking and then they've done a lot of work themselves. And then I've had a lot of people who've just had so much shame Mm. from it that it takes a lot to open up. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Katie, I want to thank you. This, this is great. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank sh- you. Yeah, I'm sure we can we can do it again. Uh, there's there's no shortage of things to talk about. I think for uh, sure in in this realm. Uh, I, I want to ask one more thing, and then and then the the final question, um, and that is it goes sort of goes back to your article. Is it possible for people that have been through trauma to uh, find themselves in a healthy relationship? Oh yes, it is. And, and I would say it takes work. I mean, there, there are times where, you know, like I'll say to my partner and we'll kind of like, look at each other and I'm like, wait, you know, was I doing the thing I do? And he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, cause I, I get that. I, I get the anxious and I get in the thought loop and the da da da. And he's like, whoa, whoa, calm down, you know? And so I say that to say, you know, if you have enough self-awareness to be able to say, okay, this is the thing I do. Um, you know, and to be able to, to say that to your partner, like, I, I realize that I'm more of the pursuer, um, you know, I'm working on it. Can we work together? That kind of thing. But both people really need to, to be able to be self-aware and to be able to work on it. Because if only one person's working on it, only one person's self-aware, you know, a lot of resentment will happen and things like that. Well, that's good. I mean, it's good. It's good news for me. Yeah. At least. But yes, um, it is possible. Yes, absolutely. Every, every day. Um, so then the, the final question as, as, uh, everyone knows is, uh, what words of wisdom would you impart to a man who had just found out that she wants a divorce or she's left or she's cheated or she's filing? Um, what are some words of wisdom you would impart to that man? So for that, I always want to say, uh, validate your truth, validate your truth. Um, you know, I, I want, to, I want all men to know, like, this is your experience and, you know, shame is not going to take that away, but increasing self-compassion can, can help you along the way. Like right now is the time to, to validate this experience and say, yes, this is going to be traumatic. This is going to be shitty. Um, and validate that and validate the, the need for increased compassion. Because what happens is, you know, I see a lot of men, oh, I'm going to put a lid on this. I'm going to put it in the back burner and I'm going to try to focus on something else. And, and it, it's going to, still going to be here Friday. It's still going to be here Monday. Uh, uh, excellent. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Katie, again, thank you very, thank very you. much. Um, how do people find you? What's the best way to contact Katie? All right. So my website, www. It's my full name, Caitlin Gillis, LCSW.com. And I'm also under Clara's voice on Instagram, uh, C-L-A-R-A. And there's two underscores, Clara's voice on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you again, Katie. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Thank you to Nick Coyle and Lifer for allowing me to use their song, Born Again, which you're hearing now and at the intro to the podcast. Thank you to Justin Dillahanty and all of my brothers at The Alpha Code. Please visit the website, risingphoenixpodcast.com to connect with me and other like-minded men who are looking to thrive and grow after their divorce. And remember to surround yourself with people who add value to your life who challenge you to be greater than you were yesterday, who sprinkle magic into your existence like you do to theirs. Life is not meant to be done alone. Find your tribe. Take care.